0: Good evening, church. Well, I'm happy that the teens ran around and had a good time and glad to have them here. Pray for their safe travels going home. Pray they were able to get rid of some of that energy. I'm glad to see each of you here this evening as well as we come together to worship our God. Welcome to you all members and visitors alike. Let's go to God, please, in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father kind and merciful God in heaven, hallowed be your great and a merciful and a masterful name. We praise you and love you and thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to worship you this evening. We ask, Lord God, for your your blessings upon us and for your grace upon us and for your mercy upon us. We might be the kind of people you would have us to be, that you would accept our worship this evening, that we might worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you over and over again for Jesus, your great Son, who died that we might live. We ask Lord God that you will help us and strengthen us and bless us as only you can. in Jesus holy and precious name, we pray these things and be thy will. Amen. Doubting God, have you ever found yourself in a position where you've doubted God? Someone once said, to doubt is human. And that gives us then an excuse and a reason to doubt God. Is it human curiosity that is the cause or the reason for my doubt? The first to doubt, we go right back to where we were this morning in Genesis. The first to doubt were Adam and Eve. And I want you to think for just a moment about maybe what they were thinking about, right? What might I be thinking about? Like, what is God keeping from us? You know, have you ever thought that? Some folks might say, what does God know that I should know? What are you keeping from us, God? And so the the temptation in Genesis 3 and verse 4, the Bible says, and the serpent said to the woman, you shall not. Die For God knows that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Am I missing something? That's what gets us into trouble, right? Am I missing something? You know, everybody's there, so maybe I ought to be there too. What happened? What's going on over there? Am I missing something? What does God know that I don't know that I feel like I should know, or I ought to know, or maybe even that I deserve to know. If God knows good and evil, shouldn't I? And so it became a temptation, you know. God knows that the day that you eat, your eyes will be open, and then you will understand, you will know good from evil. Second Corinthians chapter 3. When we find ourselves in that position of curiosity, trying to find or discover things that maybe God has not revealed, or finding ourselves doubting God, that is the moment where we have to step back and ask ourselves the question, do I have my thinking, my mind, under control? Or is my mind beginning to wander out of control and go into that spiral of negativity or oh, that spiral of, of of pride and arrogance, thinking that I know or I should know everything that God knows. And church, you and I know there are so many things in this life that we'll never know. In fact, as we grow, grow older in life, we realize the more that we know, we realize that we what? We actually never knew. Or that we don't know. Right? The more you learn about God's word, the more you understand that you don't understand a lot about God's Word. The deeper you dig into God, the, the more that God opens up. And when God opens up knowledge to us, the more that we gain. But what do I know and what should I know? and What do I think I know that really, in reality, I really don't know? I know it sounds kind of confusing, doesn't it? But that's the way the mind goes when it begins to wonder and doubt God. So the Bible tells us in Second Corinthians chapter 10 beginning at verse 3. The Bible says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculation and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of of Christ. And so imagine for just a moment that you hear something in the world of maybe theology or science and you say, hey, wait a minute. Maybe God does not. And right there, you ought to stop for a moment and step back and say, maybe I'm getting a little further than I ought to be getting in my thinking. Right? Be careful how we question how we question God. How we question the existence of God. As verse 5 says, we are destroying speculations. Be careful how we speculate against God or God things that have not been revealed to humanity as of yet. And maybe we'll never know. And be willing to accept the things that we do not know. In verse 6 it says, And we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. I must be in control of the way that I think at all times. Doubting reveals our weaknesses as finite beings, as we attempt to understand infinite things, or things from infinity, things from God. The opposite of doubt is faith. And faith is not blind, right? It's based on a great foundation of evidence that God has revealed or given to us. Matthew chapter 14. The Bible is full of people who have doubted God in the past. Questions that uh, some find themselves asking in difficult times. It kind of sound something like this. Can God do it? Maybe, will God do it? do it. Has God ever done something like this before? Does God know? And then the last one, is God real? We start doubting, right? And we start questioning and, and Jesus has some questions to ask of us. I want to look at just one of them. And in, in Matthew uh, chapter 14, beginning, if you will, all the way down At verse 28. But but giving you some context, Jesus is walking on the water. Now, Jesus is walking on the water. Jesus is walking on the water. And then Peter, you know the account says, Lord, if it's you, you know, ask, command that I come out there. Verse 28 Peter answered him and and said, Lord, if it is you, command to me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him. And I want you to imagine that account that, you know, Peter is not yet with Jesus. He's coming from a distance. And as he begins to sink Immediately, the Bible says. So there was this distance, and God closed the gap quickly. And then Jesus asks him. Jesus says to him, Oh, you little faith, why? If I'm on the water, and I'm with you, why did you doubt? Now, if I were to ask you to show of hands, I won't do that. If you to believe, based on the Scriptures, and based on the evidence that's before you in your life that God is with you, then I would ask you the same question Jesus asks Peter. Then why are you doubting? Unless you don't believe Jesus is with you. Now if you believe Jesus is with you and he's in you, if you believe you are truly a child of God and that Jesus said in the scriptures, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, and if he's never left me, then where is he? He's with me. And if he's with me, then why do I doubt? Right? Just kind of thinking about life. And God might ask the same question. Why are you doubting me, Tony, in your walk of faith? There's something about doubt that, you know, you think about when you're, you know what you know to be true. You don't go and try to find ways to prove it to be untrue. You build your foundation on it. You hold on to it and you allow it to grow you in Christ. The question that Jesus asked, is why do you doubt, Peter? And maybe he's asking us the same question today. Why are we doubting? Why are we finding ourselves to be doubtful people? Matthew chapter 12 and verse 38. And some of the scribes and the Pharisees answered him saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, And even an adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. What more does God have to do to you or for you? What more does God, if you were writing out a a book, you know, maybe a diary, and you're writing in your diary, here's what God has to do for me to remove my doubt. What would you write in that book? No sign is going to be given to us as it wasn't to that generation. But what we already know to be true, what more do you need to have begin to have this amazing renewed faith in God? What more do you need when you write inside of your own diary or your book or your catalog and you think about your own life? What more do you need? And so again, the question of a finite man who has little control, He has difficulty understanding the infinite God who has all control. We just don't, we don't, we don't look at things from a spiritual perspective as we ought to. We gotta, we gotta look at things from the spiritual and and stop just staying in the flesh. Right? We look at everything from the flesh. I want to go back to Numbers 13. uh, Numbers chapter 13. When they were sent out as spies and they went over to uh, see the land, the land was exactly what God promised it would be and they saw it and they carried, they carried grapevines with two men it was just huge and massive and they said it was a land that flows of milk and honey it's everything God said it would be but when we look at ourselves we realize something there's absolutely no way that we can be victorious why? why? Because when you start believing something about yourself, even if it's contrary to the Word of God, you'll become what you believe. That's why you have to be very, very careful. Very, very careful to challenge your thinking outside of or opposed to what God says. In Numbers 14 and verse 33, uh, the Bible says, There also we saw the Nephilim the sons of Anak are part of the Nephilim, we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. They didn't say we were grasshoppers. We began to think of ourselves as nothing because they looked at themselves into the mirror instead of looking at Jesus, instead of looking at God, bringing it to the New Testament. And sometimes that's what we do. We look in the mirror and we make ourselves up right we look pretty and all that kind of stuff men look handsome you walk away and go yeah look at me you forgot something you forgot to see jesus you forgot to look for jesus in you when you left that mirror and that's what happened you see they began to look at themselves and they looked at themselves they realized there is no way possible that we can become victorious but that's finite thinking not understanding the greatness of God who would rout these men and these, if you will, the enemy in a direction that brings the victory to us. But they said we became grasshoppers in our own eyesight or our own sight and so we were in their sight. Well, no, that's not... They, you were spies. They didn't even know you were there. But when you begin to to think from a finite perspective you start saying things like i cannot i can't do it i'm not possible i'm not able i i whatever the whatever the thoughts or the thinking is you know fighting against peer pressure or or fighting against uh evils in your own world and you you start looking in the self and you look in the self and you fail and we fail because we're looking at self instead of looking at jesus you gotta look at jesus If you don't look at Jesus, if you're not looking at the spiritual in your life, you are going to fail. Because as they've said in our world, because you are what you eat. You are what you believe about yourself. And then that bad news carries. And then you get others to support you eventually. And they start believing what you believe. Isn't it amazing that... When you look back at the spies, and there's ten of them that come back with a bad report, two come back with a, with a good report, that, that, that these ten spies had enough negative influence to make the rest of Israel believe that God's a liar. Think about that for a moment. That's exactly what they believed. We're grasshoppers. We cannot do what God said we could do. Although God is infinite and God is all, you know, all powerful and all, all, we got that, all that, we understand that. But we can't do it. But but God said you can, but we cannot. But God said you can, but we cannot. And God's question is, have you forgotten what I've done already for you? They didn't take inventory and say, wait a minute, did, did they see you? No, well, why are you a grasshopper in their sight? And Caleb and Joshua come along and say, hey, no, we can do this. We will do this. We'll be victorious, not because of ourselves, but because of God. The problem is we look into the mirror and you got to admit, when you walk away from the mirror, you're satisfied. But then when you get out amongst the world, you always see something better. When you look in the mirror, do you see Jesus? got to look for Jesus. Right? And I think we forget to look for Jesus in our lives before we leave the doors of our homes. In chapter 14 and verse 1, then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried and spoke and wept that night. And none of them thought to go back. Let's go back and let's go ask Moses, well, what does, what does the Bible say? What did God promise us again? And all the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation and said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness. And I want to talk about doubting. I want you to think about now where they are in this world of negativity. They had all night to think about this. And they're like, oh, I wish we died in the land of Egypt. But you go back to Exodus chapter 2 and following, and they were like, God, don't let us die in Egypt. Come save us, God. Get us out of this place. And now they're, they're forgetting. They're forgetting what they already knew to be true. They felt that experience. They lived that experience. They were involved emotionally in that experience. And they gained the victory out of that experience. And now just because they doubt God, now is just as real to them that no, it would have been better If we have died in Egypt. And now they begin to believe a lie. Because that's not what they said. And that's not even what they really truly mean. They're just discouraged. And they're believing a lie. And the lie they're believing is not that they are lying. But they're believing that God told a lie. Because God said, I will do this. And it's already done, and they're saying, "God, you can't do it." That's doubting God. That's the depth of, of this idea, this thought of do- doubting God. Were that we had died in this wilderness, and why? Verse three: Has the Lord is the Lord bringing us unto this in this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become pr- plunder. Uh, Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Do you remember how you got out of Egypt? Do you remember what happened? It's like that moment of common sense, that moment of reflection should have hit them and said, wait a minute, I remember when the Egyptians were, and you start thinking about what you went through as God brought the victory, but whatever you believe in your heart, And in your mind about yourself and about life. You're going to act upon that. Even though the evidence is right there in front of your eyes. And so they began to think to themselves. No one can save us, right? No one. No one can help us right now. We're going to die out here. And here are the reasons why. And then, you know, you come up with a reason, and then someone comes up with another reason. You know, why shouldn't we worship God? Well, you come up with a reason, and then someone else comes up. Well, you know, and it's all negative. next thing you know, you all start acting upon, we begin to act upon the evidence, or the information, rather, that we've received, though we know it isn't true. They look at things from a humanistic standpoint. And in their minds, they were correct. But in reality, they believed a lie. Isn't that amazing? They believed and acted upon a lie. And God's question is, you know, what more can I do for you? He might ask us today, church, what more can I do for you? You cry to me when you're hurting and I help you and then you forget. I love the account about the, uh, I've told you this. And you've read it somewhere. The woodpecker that goes up and, you know, he, he pounds on a tree for, you know, just about a minute. And then he flies away. Lightning strike. Boom! Hits the tree. Tree splits. woodpecker looks back and says, oh, look at what I did. Right? The confusion, right? The confusion of life. And God's question is, how long will they not believe? And listen to verse 11. And the Lord said to Moses... How long will this people spurn me? And how long will this people not believe in me despite all the signs which I have performed in their midst? I mean, all the evidence is there, but these people refuse to believe. Instead, they heard a little report from 10 of the two spies who came back and said, yeah, everything's exactly the way God said it would be. The problem is, the people. You want to hear a sad reality? I've heard people say the same thing in a a different way about the church. You know, everything God said He would be and and everything, I, I mean, I know church is good, but it's the people. May that never be said about us. May it never be said about us. I'm thankful the court said uh, just the other night. Uh, he was talking and uh, he said, you know, I, I just said to myself, I'm not going to church. It's a bunch of hypocrites. And then I realized I was the biggest hypocrite. You know? But you know, it's the idea that I believe something. I believe something. And, and whether it's true or not, it, it doesn't matter. It becomes true in my mind. And once it's true in my mind, then it's true. And so when I look into the mirror and I see me and I walk away satisfied... Again, I'm asking you the question tonight. Did you look for Jesus? Or were you just self-centered and looking only for you? And again, I'm not saying we can't look in the mirror and fix ourselves up. But I just want you to think about your soul when you walk away, when you leave your home, when you take the next breath. Think about your soul and your relationship with God. Continuing on in verse... 19 of chapter 14 Moses says pardon I pray the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of thy loving kindness just as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even until now so the Lord said I have pardoned them according to your word but indeed as I live all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord Surely all the men who have seen my glory and my signs. Two powerful words here. All these people saw the glory of God. And the miracles of God. And they still did not believe. Because they only believed in themselves. They didn't believe in God. And sometimes what happens when we we come to worship, we come here... And, and we're not even paying attention. We just, we're just checking the box. Don't check the box. Open your heart. Right? Don't check the box. Open your heart to Jesus. They saw the glory of God. They saw the miracles of God. And this is what God has to say. Surely all the men who have seen my glory and my signs which I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness yet have Put me to the test these ten times and have not listened to my voice. Shall by no means see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who spurn me see it. Wow. So I want you tonight to think about as you leave this place, think about the miracles in the book of Exodus. Chapter all the way through the Exodus the Exodus in chapter 14 everything that God did in their midst everything that God did to Pharaoh and they saw it and they experienced it and they and they felt some of those plagues and they and yet we get to numbers 13 33 and they say God can't do it Have you forgotten? And I want to close this out tonight in John uh, John chapter 7. John chapter 7. Again, the question maybe that some have asked themselves is, can God do it? Will God do it? Has God done something like this before? Does God know? Maybe does God know what I'm going through? My struggles, my victories that He has brought? Does God know? And then the last and scariest one, Is God, is God real? And even though we may close our eyes, it doesn't change God. And even though we may close our ears, it doesn't change God. Tonight, even doubting God doesn't change God. John 7, beginning at verse 1. And after these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee. Galilee. For he was unwilling to walk in Judea, because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now, the feast of the Jews, the feast of booths, was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may behold your works which you are doing. I want you to think about that verse, and we'll come right back to it. For no one does anything in secret when he himself seeks to be known publicly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world for not even his brothers were believing in him. Verse 3. Was Mary known to be a bold-faced liar? Joseph if he were still around You know your sibling, And if one of your siblings are different, you know he's different or she's different. There's no reason that his brothers should not have believed in him. The stories they've heard, the things they see, the things they've seen, the way he spoke, What he said to them. The things that he was interested in that in reality we have his brothers wanted nothing to do with. The relationship. The faith. The confidence. Everything about Jesus that was uniquely different. And yet, the Bible says his brothers they didn't believe in him. They doubt it too. Tonight, a question is: When you look into the mirror, do you see Jesus? Do you see Jesus? Tonight, the question is: As you leave this building and you think about what you're going to do for the rest of this year, is Jesus in there anywhere? Is there some kind of conviction in there? Is there some new level of faith in there? Maybe I'm going to read my Bible through four times or three times or once, or I'm going to do this. Is there something about Jesus in your year this year? This this evening, when you walk away from here, do you walk away from here with Jesus, or do you leave Jesus in the building as you go? Tonight, if you're not a child of God, we encourage you to surrender to God, be baptized in Christ for the remission of your sins. If you're struggling in your walk of faith, if there's anything that we can do to help you in any way, please make it known while together we stand and sing our song of invitation.